You ready? Yeah. You ready? All right, hold on. Here we go. What's going on, everyone? This is the My Aggie Nation podcast. I'm Travis Brown with the Eagle over there, Alex Miller. How's it going, Alex? It's going pretty well. We're gonna we're gonna get to spend a weekend at the baseball field, so that's always a good weekend. And that's where we are right now in the Diamond Club of Bluebell Park in the middle of Media Day for the College Station Regional of the NCAA Tournament. So far, we've already talked to uh, Louisiana Lafayette and, and Texas A&M. We're still yet to talk to uh, TCU and Oral Roberts, but that'll come uh, here shortly. Uh, just need to dive right on into it. And uh, interesting, most interesting thing for me that I took from Texas A&M's uh, uh, press conference was the fact that Jim Schlossnagel, for the first time in his career, wanted to go first in that first spot. Uh, the 1 o'clock game of the regional listed off some of the um, uh, pluses and, and pros to doing that. Said it was something that uh, Augie Garrido, a legendary Texas coach, used to do. And he, uh, he said he actually called and... Um, discussed this over with former LSU head coach Paul Maneri and some other people, and, and, and he felt like this was the right idea because he knew that A&M crowds would come at either game. What, what do you think of, of this decision? Yeah, you know, when I saw that A&M was playing at 1 o'clock, I was like, okay, that's kind of interesting because they never do. They always play the night game, right? I mm -hmm. mean, anytime A&M's hosted regional, it's always Friday night. You know they're going to be playing at that slot. Uh, so, yeah, I definitely thought that was interesting. And then, you know, it was interesting hearing the reasoning. And, and after hearing that, it kind of makes sense, right? You know, you kind of keep some of a routine. You know, I get that it's a Friday game, but it's basically you're mimicking a Saturday schedule probably, right? Yeah. Whereas you come in in the morning, uh, you, you don't have to wake up super early, but you're staying on a routine. You, you don't feel like you have to wait all day. You get up, you go to the ballpark, you do your thing. You get to hit batting practice, like he said. Uh, so it just kind of keeps a sense of normalcy. Plus, you think about it, too, what he said, you know, it, if A&M were to lose, they'd have to come back and play the noon game on Saturday uh, to then play again Sunday. So, um, you know, it makes sense in a, in a sense of, you know, you're playing in a double elimination tournament. Nothing's guaranteed. Oral Roberts, they're a pretty gritty squad. So kind of kind of makes sense in that sense. And, and like you said, uh, a&M fans are going to show up. I mean, th this regional sold out. I don't think that there's going to be a lack of people in the stands. Maybe would it be a little more full on a Friday night compared to a Friday afternoon? Maybe. Uh, but I don't really think there's going to be a huge difference in, in attendance numbers. Sure. Uh, you know, going into um, the, well, the other part of that, too, is uh, Jim Schlossnagel said he knew from being on the other side of one of these regionals that the first base dugout is hotter than blazes. Oh, during yeah. That, and it's supposed to be another hot one this weekend. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it is hot and steamy uh, here in College Station this week. Uh, the storm just came through uh, this morning. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I get that. Plus, think about it, too. Regardless of what happens with AM's first game, uh, you know, their players are going to get to go home and rest the rest of the night. And then those coaches can stick around and scout. I mean, that's a that's an added bonus. I mean, obviously, Schlossnagel is going to have some prior knowledge on TCU, given he coached there last year. Uh, but, you know, you're going to be able to see that live in person and not have to worry about the game that you're about to play. There's there's a little bit of uh, leisure there where you can you can go and scout freely that that's probably an advantage for AM as well sure so let's look a little bit at Oral Roberts uh, they um, have um, one a, a pretty decent 
pitching staff, 409 uh, team ERA, uh, 9.4 strikeouts uh, per inning. Um, and uh, Jackson Lofton is their kind of their best pitcher coming in uh, with a uh, strikeout percentage of 15.9, uh, a walk percentage of 16.4. Um, done some pretty good stuff this year, but I think the most important thing, something that Jim Schlossnagel mentioned, is that Oral Roberts is a team that is pretty dominant in their conference every year. They're going to go uh, into the NCAA tournament, and those players know what they're doing in the NCAA tournament, as opposed to AM, which I believe only has six players, I think, that have played in an NCAA regional. And so uh, a team coming in that I believe, I believe it was 2018 or uh, 18 that Oral Roberts actually knocked TCU out of the regional right. uh, and, and went into that championship game. So not necessarily an opponent that you want to look past in that regard. No, I mean, this is – and got a tough draw. Like, let's be honest. I mean, you got two conference champions, uh, and you've got a team in TCU that Shalosh probably alluded to probably could have hosted a regional. And so, I mean, this, this, is, no, this is no easy path to a second weekend for the a baseball team. And, I mean, they're going to have a tough game on Friday. Too. I need to correct myself. I was looking at the wrong column. <laughs> It's a Legend Smith yeah. that is their star pitcher. I was looking in the hitters to watch section. Legend mm. Smith, uh, of course, a uh, 2.41 ERA uh, and a 10.6 strikeouts per nine innings. Uh, coming in as about the second best pitcher uh, statistically in this regional. Of course, uh, Jackson Lofton is a hitter uh, right. for, for uh, Oral Roberts. Well, and Smith's the guy that Schloss said they expect to pitch tomorrow uh, against A&M, who will be starting Micah Dallas, we learned today, mm-hmm. uh, which is no surprise after his uh, good start at the SEC tournament. And, I mean, that's a big thing, too, not trying to pivot entirely. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the fact that Micah Dallas had such a strong outing in Hoover, I mean, that's a big added plus for this A&M bol- or, uh, excuse me, starting rotation in their, in their pitching staff. Because, I mean, Slosh said it. I mean, if he hadn't done that, they weren't really sure what they were probably going to do. Yeah, exactly. Um, and not to mention, uh, Micah Dallas kind of outperformed Nathan Detmer right. in the SEC tournament. Uh, and then you have a guy like Moo Menifee, a story I did yesterday, who also had some real struggles at the beginning of the season, worked on where he aimed his slider, kind of was a focus point uh, to drop it into the strike zone. And he's been – he finished as the 11th best – uh, strikeout guy in the SEC uh, wrapping up uh, SEC play. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a pretty intriguing matchup to start that off. And, of course, uh, TCU and Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, closing out, we got to talk to former A&M assistant Matt Deggs today. Uh, talked about knowing the atmosphere in Bluebell and, and knowing what kind of crowd is going to be in here, but also that uh, he's confident in his guys. And they've had to be on a little bit of a, of a hot streak to get into this tournament. For sure, yeah. I mean, the Raging Cajuns, I mean, they, they just tore through the Sun Belt Conference tournament. I mean, taking down Texas State and then Georgia Southern, I mean, Georgia Southern, they're hosting this weekend. And Texas State at one point, they were one of the hottest teams of the country uh, early in the season. They went and beat Texas over in Austin. Uh, I mean, th- th- that's two very impressive wins. I mean, this was obviously a two-bid league that is now a three-bid league. Mm-hmm. Uh the Sun Belt was no slouch this year. And Louisiana Lafayette, that's a program. Three, three bids with a host, too. Yeah, three bids with a host. And, I mean, uh, Louisiana Lafayette, they're, they're a team with pedigree uh, in their diamond sports, I mean, at, at the mid-major level. This is, this is a really good team. And, I mean, uh, they're going to be used to the hot weather. They're going to be used to playing really good opponents. 
so this isn't going to be some mesmerizing regional, I think, that uh, they're going to be facing compared to maybe other teams that could have been sent to a It's regional. a typical Matt Deggs team. They're right. going to run the bases. They're going to be aggressive on the base pass. Uh, and I talked with uh, a radio show in Lafayette today and saying if Louisiana and A&M were to uh, face each other, with that, sometimes the, with A&M's uh, pension for getting a little sideways uh, pitching, if you can kind of frustrate them running the bases, moving runners into scoring position, uh, any team, not only A&M, can, can create some things. Uh, so that'll be an, another interesting matchup uh, there at TCU and uh, Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, you, you ready for a fun fact? Yes. You want your fun fact? Okay. I want a fun fact. Carson Rockefort. Yes. Infielder, or excuse me, a fielder for the, uh, the, the, the Raging Cajuns. He is a either third or fourth cousin to A&M assistant basketball coach Steve Rockefort. All uh, right. Got to talk to both of them about that. And uh, the a if Per, if the A&M basketball schedule, uh, off-season schedule, allows Steve Rockefort to come over, he's going to come over. They've been texting, and uh, Carson Rockefort said that since he came over and took the job, uh, started this year, that, that he's become a little bit of an A&M basketball fan. So watching that little strong connection there. Yeah, I mean, there's connections all over the place. I mean, you asked Schloss about it earlier in the press conference, uh, just how the transfer portal has allowed for kind of, you know, a lot of different connections to baby start – uh, forming, you know, obviously transfer portal still relatively new, um, but I mean, you got to think about it too. These are four programs. I mean, this is a regional. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're they're very close in proximity. When you got Tulsa, Fort Worth, College Station, Lafayette. I mean, that's that's about as regional as you're gonna get uh, with four teams probably. So probably a lot of guys that know each other, particularly from the Texas area, who have run into one another uh, probably in the high school ranks on the tournament. You go back fields. to uh, Oral Robertson, Jackson Lofton. He actually transferred from Sam Houston State, so would have played mm -hmm. uh, for, for Matt Deggs. Uh, uh, Dustin Dietmer from Oral Roberts played in Hawaii with Cole Kaler. Uh, Preston Bungardner was at UTSA with Dylan Rock. Andrew Davis was at Texas Tech. That's of Oral Roberts with Dallas. And Louisiana's Max uh, Marusak was at Texas Tech with Micah Dallas. Dylan, and then, uh, yeah, that's that's those those kind of connections. A couple, well, couple of Blinn players in the uh, yeah, too. Yeah, I mean, while we're talking about connections, uh, one of TCU's top relievers this year, Garrett Wright, mm -hmm. uh, graduated from A&M Consolidated, so played with a few of the guys that were at Consol now playing at A&M, Jack Hamilton, Ty Hodge, uh, Brandon Bishop, who's playing with the Bombers this summer. Uh, we're gonna get, I'm going to talk to Garrett later today, and so we'll have a story on him. Uh, in tomorrow's paper, Friday, uh, for those listening. So, you know, a lot of connections, a lot of connections, not to mention uh, a lot of those TCU players, uh, they, they, they probably know who the Aggie skipper is. Yeah, so that's going to be the other thing. I'll, I'll mention, too, Carson Rockefort, uh, 16 home runs uh, and one of the top hitters coming into uh, the regional this week. But, yes, TCU's whole team, uh, you got to think that they're, they're – uh, I know Coach uh, Jim Schlossnagel says that Baseball players shouldn't need motivation because motivation is, is kind of fake. But if there's any kind of motivation, I would think there's a few people probably in that locker room who's got, who want to come and, and stick it to the Aggies, not only because of uh, those ties, but also just because of the history of the two programs. Yeah, I mean, Travis, not, certainly nothing's guaranteed, but there's a likely chance we're going to see an A&M-TCU matchup uh, at some point this weekend. You know, 
What do you feel like the intensity of that game might be if it actually happens? It'll be interesting because it's been, I, I want to say, I mean, Joseph Menifee is about one of the few who've actually played uh, against TCU. That was that 2019 Shriners Classic game mm -hmm. in Houston. Uh, but when you go back to the real, the, the three-year stretch when TCU ended A&M season 15, 16, 17 in the postseason, of course none of those guys are around. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see how that kind of rivalry renew renews with Schlossnagel out of the mix on that, on the field, and, and see if you do. I, it, it, it all goes back to, you look in football, A&M football has always kind of been looking for that SEC rival. Well, a seven-overtime win against LSU kind of seemed to solidify a little bit of, hey, there's some hate there. When you get those epic battles, those ones that everyone remembered that go into extra innings, that's what kind of makes those rivalries. And it'll be interesting to see if something like that continues this weekend because it never seems like any of those teams can wrap up a game in nine innings uh, when it comes to TCU and A&M. So, yeah, I, I'll, I'll be interested to see how that goes. Um, but, I, you know, TCU also has a lot to prove coming in, being the Big 12 regular season champs, right. uh, going out a little early in the Big 12 tournament, and then not being able to host. You would think in one of the top three best conferences in the country that – uh, the regular season winner would be uh, in, in a shot to host. Okay, I'm gonna throw one at you. Just I love I love reminiscing on memories, and I feel like we'd be remiss not to look back at some of the epic battles that AM and TCU have had. What's maybe one game that you can look back on that you covered uh, throughout the times that they played one another? That's like, man, that was that was a game. Well, I, I you know, it's funny because I remember a lot of I covered all three of the extended. Uh, extra innings games. Of course, there was two in 2015, and then actually the one in 2017 in the Shriners Classic right. when they played early that went long. Um, yeah, I remember, I remember, you know, I'm a big hockey fan, uh -huh. and you watch the Stanley Cup playoffs, and if they get to like that, that first, the end of that first overtime, that second overtime, you can see that their legs are dragging. You can see the sweat through the jerseys, and that's as close to that, as I've seen in baseball, it was sticky, muggy in Fort Worth in 2015. Uh, A&M, I think, was wearing their black, like, uh, V-neck uniforms, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken. And just, you saw everyone's jersey was soaked through. Everyone was, was just standing in the infield. It seemed like they were breathing heavy. Uh, and you know that it was going to come down, and I believe it came down to uh, an error there at the end of the game that throw home to the um, plate. That throw home to the plate that that made that one go. The other thing I remember about that is filing, having to file a quick story, file another rewrite story, and then I was living in Northeast Dallas at the time uh, while working for the paper up there and picking up a hot donut on the way back because it was already 5 a.m. Uh, by the time I did that. Uh, 2017, uh, man, that was one that you, you kind of weren't expecting it until it kind of got there. I, I believe it was like TCU scored a handful there in the 7th or the 8th. It was late in the game. They came back and, yeah. and, and tied it, and then just no one could score. And I remember uh, uh, Zach Taylor, who works at WTEW and me, got an Airbnb because we were going to go visit some friends after the game, get a nice meal and everything after, and just stay in Houston. Well, we didn't leave the ballpark until after 2 a.m., uh, and we're glad we had the Airbnb to be able to crash before coming back to College Station. So those are some of the, the best baseball games that I've ever covered um, and, and have remembered. Not great for deadline, but <laughs> no, uh, it, it, it hasn't been good. And then uh, you look back at uh, the College World Series in 2017 and uh, ending uh, A&M's streak of having, not winning a game up there under the Rob Childress era. Continued the streak, excuse me, uh, of that. So it, it has been... 
it's been an exciting rivalry. It, it'll be interesting to see, and I'm sure a lot of people will, uh, if, you, if you believe in the superstition stuff, will, will want to know, is, is it just TCU, A&M's snake bit against TCU, uh, or is it the Jim Schlossnagel effect, uh, which will come into play this week, and it'll be interesting to see. All right, who, is, who do you think are, is, is A&M's biggest contender to challenge them, potentially knock them off this weekend? It's got to be TCU. Um, they, I mean, they proved it in a really stout Big 12 when you look at Texas, when you look at Texas Tech, when you look at Oklahoma, uh, teams all in there, and then being able to compete with those guys day in and day out. Uh, they can hit the ball a little bit. I, I think they're going to be the biggest test. But I think any of these teams, I think it comes down, to, you know, not to sound cliche or coach speaky, but I think this uh, regional is going to come down to what A&M can do themselves because they're going to need pitching. They're going to need pitching depth, especially if they happen to lose a game and have to come through the loser's bracket. They've proven at times that they can have about two solid starting pitchers, and that has even been in question uh, over the last little bit of the season uh, in Micah Dallas and, and Nathan Detmer. If they can get those two guys to roll through, they'll be in the, t- the championship game with two wins and be sitting pretty to move on. If they lose one of those two games, then you're having to lead on Ryan Prager, Brad Rudis, two guys who uh, they have started for AM, but they're both freshmen, and usually most of their starts has turned into a bullpen game. They've only gone uh, at four innings at the most uh, between them. So then you're going to rely heavily on a bullpen that has been has seen its up and da- ups and downs. You know, we talked about Mu Minifee, mm-hmm. uh, who blew uh, one of the games in the Penn Series and blew the Wichita State game in the Frisco Classic. Uh, he's really excelled and come on and has become a really good strikeout guy. Jacob Palish uh, seemed to be the guy that was nails for a while, but then you look back at that double comeback win against South Carolina, uh, and he let the Gamecocks get back into it uh, late in the game. So I, I think as much as A&M can avoid using too many arms out of the bullpen, and get, if they can get good starting pitching, that's where uh, the key is going to be for them. It's going to be more about what they can do necessarily than a lot of the matchups, I think. Well, have we covered our bases, Travis? I think we've covered our bases. Uh, be sure to check uh, theeagle.com, myagonation.com through the whole weekend to get uh, all the coverage here from the College Station Regional. So for Alex Miller, I'm Travis Brown. This is the Myagonation Podcast, and we'll see you next week. It seems like every day, everything just has a way, the way the must have seems. But if we don't watch what we're doing, our hearts will get ruined by silly things. Good loving needs a girl, we know that's true. If we want to keep it, we got to watch everything that we do. Make sure you're sticking with me. But I wanna make sure that we'll be all that we can be.